the restoration movement coming out of uh, years and years and years of Catholicism, uh, different uh, other uh, denominational organizations going through the Protestantism and, and the different things that came about and how he was able to work his way primarily out of the Presbyterian church. Uh, he was in the Methodist church for a while, but at any rate, he was able to work his way out of that and he had a huge impact on the formation of the restoration of the New Testament church, the Church of Christ. And next, we're going to pick up a man by the name of Alexander Campbell. Alexander Campbell is uh, the most prominent person that we know of or that we read about in the Restoration Movement, and he did so much for so long uh, regarding the restoration of the New Testament church, and we owe him a certainly a debt of gratitude. But we need to keep in mind, <clears throat> uh, Brother Alexander Campbell... Uh, had some some issues in his belief system. He had he had a few faults, and he he missed it in some areas. Okay, uh, just as Barton W. Stone did. But we need to always keep in mind these men were kind of doing this on their own. They didn't have anyone really, Barton Stone and and Alexander Campbell and and many of these other men. They didn't have anyone to kind of help them along. They were the ones who helped the next generation along. So they were coming out of darkness on their own. And, and you know, if we think about it in a personal way, <clears throat> each of us probably had quite a bit of help in coming to the proper understanding of the Scripture. Does that mean you can't take the Bible and the Bible alone and come to the understanding of the truth? Absolutely not. You sure can do that. And a lot of people have done it. But these men did it at a time when there weren't any examples of the New Testament church that they were aware of. Now, there were different efforts of this restoration movement going on in different parts of the world at that time when they began to do their work, but still, they didn't have any kind of influence really to help point them in the right direction, whereas from them forward, people had that influence and that example in that direction. So we need to be thankful for these men. Let's go back to uh, September 1850. In September of 1850, a 23-year-old man by the name of John F. Rowe arrived for the first time in Bethany, Virginia, a small community, and he began his <clears throat> college or university career under the tutelage of one of the most illustrious religious men of the time. In fact, within the last over 200 years up to this date. But at that time, of course, one of the most uh, uh, re- uh, famed religious leaders within the last century of this man's time. And of course, his name's Alexander Campbell. Now, in the pocket of uh, Mr. Rowe was a letter from J. H. Jones, preacher for the church in Worcester, Ohio. And it was addressed to President Alexander Campbell on behalf of that young man. Of course, naturally this would have happened because it happened often in the life of Campbell. This man, when he showed up to uh, uh, the campus at the uh, uh, Bethany College, and I don't know if uh, how many of you have been 
<clears throat> had the opportunity to to be in that area and maybe to see Alexander's uh, mansion and the places where Bethany College is. But uh, the first thing he wanted to do when he arrived at the home of Alexander Campbell was to see the man. So, like everyone knew, he knew where to go. And apart from the house, if you have an opportunity to visit the mansion, apart from the house, if you're looking straight at the house, to the left is a separate study where Alexander Campbell went every single day to study. And uh, if you're uh, privileged to go in and look around, there uh, right now there are no chairs in the uh, uh, in the study, but there's a single pulpit, and for the most part, that's where he did his study. He stood. There's a uh, a uh, a light in the ceiling. We call it uh, the word left me. It's uh, for natural light, a skylight. Yeah. Anyway right over the pulpit where he would stand, and he used that natural light to study. And so this young man went to the study, and uh, at that time, stepping into the study, there was a chair, a single chair, and of course Alexander Campbell was sitting in that chair. Of course, this young man was nervous. He had never met President Campbell before. He had heard a lot about him, and he held him almost... uh, uh, up to be a, a, a hero for him. And so he thought a lot of him. <clears throat> so he goes in, and uh, Brother Campbell is sitting in the only chair. He's occupying that chair. But upon his entrance into that study, President Campbell got up, piled up a, a stack of books, and asked the young man to, uh, he said, please, sir, take a literary seat. On those books. And that kind of broke the ice. The man felt completely at ease. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, in a few moments, about the very character and essence of Alexander Campbell. And he was a sweet-natured individual. He was uh, uh, cheerful most of the time, and he drew people to him. Now, the words that, again, Alexander Campbell spoke to this man kind of relieved all that inward tension that he was having. And uh, uh, again, because he, it was almost as if it was hero worship toward Alexander Campbell. Now, that's not anything that Alexander Campbell would have promoted, but as a young man, knowing and reading a lot about uh, President Campbell, he would have been infatuated and in awe of this man, because that's what he strove to be, just like any of the other students who uh, were privileged to go to uh, Bethany uh, College. But again, that was a very common thing for Alexander Campbell because uh, he was no usual man. In fact, he was a very unusual man. He held a lot of uh, character qualities that people ought to strive to have. In fact, uh, as uh, if you were able to look at Alexander Campbell, be in his presence, what you would notice would be a very tall, strong, energetic, and athletic-looking man. He kept good care of himself. He had light hair. He was moderately fair in complexion. Of course, that has to do with where he was, where he originated. 
Uh, it's said of him that his uh, face had no straight lines and that he had a hooked nose. Okay? Now, concerning his nose, John Smith said that it was arched a little to the north. So, whatever that means. But anyway, few people ever was in the presence of Alexander Campbell when his countenance was not cheerful, when he was... Uh, uh, not personable, and people, as it uh, has been said, came for miles around to beat a path to his front door because they wanted to study under the man. His knowledge and his wisdom throughout his lifetime and past, people who described him, described him as having no equal alive at the time. And so he was, uh, he was a man that uh, had a lot going for him. Now, as we think about people, uh, it is very common for individuals to have a primary trait that people recognize, right? Someone may just be a hard worker, and you recognize that they're hard workers, hard workers. But normally what it is, they may, and they'll have other traits, but it's usually a prominent trait that points uh, or sticks out in our mind that uh, uh, we identify that person with. Alexander Campbell was no different. Now, he possessed an unusual rounded ability to have a multitude of what has been described as the noble traits. But he had one trait that really allowed him to be that kind of person to possess the noble traits. Uh, and I think that as we're going to look into his life a little bit, that it is his power or was his power of concentration which allowed him to attain such a rich storehouse of knowledge. And what we're going to notice about Alexander Campbell was his knowledge was not simply... <clears throat> Uh, scriptural knowledge. Again, at the time, he possessed a knowledge of the Bible that was viewed as uh, not having an equal in in, in the life or in uh, his time. Okay, but he had a rounded knowledge. And let's think about it. Uh, think of some of the prominent preachers of the last fifty or seventy-five years that we're aware of. <clears throat> you know, of course. With the experiences I had, I think of uh, Curtis Cates. I think of uh, 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 Brother uh, Elkins, Garland Elkins. I think of, you know, several different people that we think of. Now, when I think of Brother Curtis Cates, he strikes me as a man with a well-rounded education. He could talk to you about all kinds of things, okay? Now, and, I'm, and this isn't a disparaging comment, when you spoke with Brother Garland Elkins... <clears throat> I never sat down really to have a conversation with him that it didn't pertain in some way to the Scripture. That's not a bad thing. Okay. He was devoted. And uh, I never saw him. All my years of knowing him, I never saw him read a Scripture or a passage from the Bible. He simply quoted it. And I believe the man probably could have written the New Testament down from memory. Uh, uh, Robert R. Taylor, you know, has a, has a, 
uh, is, a, is a prominent preacher that is a sound in doctrine, but I've never sat down and had a conversation with Brother Taylor that didn't pertain somehow to Scripture. Again, that's not a bad thing. If we're going to devote our time to something, that's something to devote it to. But <clears throat> Alexander Campbell was a well-rounded individual. And I think as we look at Christianity, I think we learn to be balanced in our religious beliefs. Why is that important, do you think? How many people have you known that they want to come up to you, maybe you first met them, and think back maybe before you were ever even a Christian or whatever. Uh, if, if you have that experience, uh, many of us uh, grew up uh, attending services. Again, and just like I've said in the past, I grew up, we weren't anything, okay? And, uh, uh, what if someone comes to you and all that they have, all that they can talk about is something to do with, uh, scripture? You know, maybe they begin their, their conversation with questioning you about, uh, your knowledge of Jesus. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you understand what you need to be a Christian? You know what that does to a whole lot of people? Kind of scares them off a little bit, doesn't it? We need to take the gospel to people and we need to talk to them about it. But I think there are ways that we can do that that maybe are better than others. Okay? Uh, what about we... And here's the thing, especially in our area, right here where this church building is, uh, I've, I've kind of come to the understanding that door knocking may be not the best way to reach out to these people. We've door knocked at least 1,500 doors around here. You know, uh, was it worthless? No, we were doing what God asked us to do. We were successful in that. But I don't know that we've had anyone from the community come because of that. Now, we've had visitors come for other reasons. We got to know them or we had a, had a relationship with them, right? And we were able to talk to them about certain things and they were able to understand we cared about them. And then we get an opportunity to talk about religion and the most important things in life. And then they seem to be a little more open to it, right? That was the kind of man that Alexander Campbell was. If you wanted to talk about literature, he could talk about it, okay? If you want to talk about other things, you, he could talk about it. He was an expert and spent most of his time understanding the Scripture. But he was well-rounded and he was balanced. And I think that before people, the old saying, and I think it's true, uh, people don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? And uh, I've met young preacher students, and, and even myself being a preacher, go in and talk to them, and they just feel, you know, it's just like they're so uptight they can't be personable. And, you know, they can't call you by your name. It's Brother Owens, Brother Owens, you know. I, I say, just call me Rick. And... Uh, the only thing they know how to talk about is some passage in the Bible. And again, I'm not disparaging that. We need to know the Bible. Understand me when I say that. But don't we need to be able to learn about the person in front of us a little bit? Listen to them. Understand what their life situation is. Paul said, I'm all things to all men. What does that mean? I think it means we can connect with people or we need to be able to connect with people where they are in life. That doesn't mean we support the things they do in life if they're not behaving. But, and just for an example, and because this is the only experience I have or my experiences, uh, I could go visit with someone 
And uh, I've sat and talked about people who grew up, uh, older folks who grew up working in the logwoods. Well, I didn't work in the uh, logwoods as far as uh, uh, cutting paper wood, but I've worked a lot in the wood cutting firewood. I know about that. I've worked on the farm. I know what it means to haul into uh, hay and to, to clean out chicken houses and, and things of that nature. I know what it means to work with my hands. Uh, I made a living doing that. But I've also, uh, I've been to school. I've been to school. I have some, some uh, graduate degrees. And so I can talk to someone if they want to talk about world politics. I try to stay abreast of the situation. I try to, I'm not an expert in that field, but I'm aware of what's going on in the world. And a lot of people have things they want to talk about. And we can make a connection, can't we? If we're able to do that. And so Alexander Campbell, I think, is a wonderful example for us in a whole lot of ways. First of all, his biblical knowledge. I think we all ought to strive to attain the kind of biblical knowledge that Alexander Campbell had. Or that Curtis Cates has. Or or had, or uh, that uh, Garland Elkins had, or many other preachers who are alive today. You know, I think we ought to strive to have the biblical knowledge that Roger Campbell has. You know, I don't know that I'll ever get there, but I need to strive to get there. But at the same time, we need to be able to sit down and talk to people about uh, things that are, in their minds at least, kind of uh, safe topics, right? That they don't, all of a sudden feel like that you're pushing them in some way to do this or that. Again, we have to study the Bible and we have to be able to speak about it to people. But I think there are some ways better than others getting to that point. Any comments? Questions? Okay. Uh, When we think of Alexander Campbell... He was involved in a lot of debates. He had a very sharp mind throughout his life. He was a very logical man. He arranged his arguments very well. Uh, both those who were friends of Alexander Campbell and those who were not friends of Alexander Campbell, friends and foe alike, praised his intellect, praised his character, and even uh, the worldly people of recognition understood Alexander Campbell was something unusual. General Robert E. Lee uh, made a statement concerning Alexander Campbell. Of course, we know who uh, General Robert E. Lee is. He said this concerning Alexander Campbell. He was a man in whom were illustriously combined all the qualities that could adorn or elevate the nature to which he belonged. Robert E. Lee was not a Christian. Okay? Knowledge, the most various and extended virtue that never loitered in in her career nor deviated from her course, talking about knowledge and virtue in Alexander Campbell. A man who, if he had been delegated as the representative of his species to one of the superior worlds, would have suggested a grand idea of the human race. Such was President Campbell. Boy, that's a statement, isn't it? From a man uh, 
in my estimation, as uh, uh, honorable a man as, as General Robert E. Lee. So I think that's a wonderful statement. Now, in 1843, Brother Campbell had a debate with a man by the name of N.L. Rice, okay? And uh, at that time, he was kind of at the height of his power and influence as far as uh, preaching the gospel. And certainly, he didn't slow down working, but during that period of time, he probably did more work uh, toward his goal than he did at any other time before or after. Now, one of his uh, great admirers was a man by the name of Tolbert Fanning. You'll recognize that name. He's a restoration preacher. And notice what he said about uh, Alexander Campbell. Now, at the time, Alexander Campbell was about 60 years old. Okay, He said, Alexander Campbell is about 60 years old, has been blessed by nature with a fine constitution, has led a most active life, and consequently enjoys remarkable good health for one of his age. I mean, he's 60 years old, Clay. He's an old man, you know. He was an old man at 60, right? man of his age had remarkable health. Uh, and his intellect is as vigorous as it was at 25. Fanning said, in personal appearance, there is no man like him. His scholarship is admired by both friends and foes, and in logical powers, the world, in my humble opinion, has not his equal. It is scarcely probable any man has ever become truly distinguished who has not attained his preeminence for some one particular trait. And evidently, Alexander Campbell owes his greatness to his powers of concentration and his habit of presenting the greatest subjects in a few pointed and palpable propositions. For logic, scriptural knowledge, genuine criticism, dignity of manner, fairness, and Christian courtesy, it is barely probable Alexander Campbell has an equal living. Those are strong words uh, in recognition of uh, Brother Campbell. Now, I think someone might and fairly ask, is it possible that General Robert E. Lee and Brother Tolbert Fanning overstated their praise of Alexander Campbell? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because there has never been a question but that Alexander Campbell was one of the foremost thinkers of his time. In the whole nation of the United States, his religious influence enlightened the world to those who inquired of the Word of God. Think about all the people who came to him to learn about the Scripture. He was an amazing individual. How often in a lifetime does someone like that come along? Well, not often. Uh, usually because we uh, people don't apply themselves the way that Campbell applied himself. Uh, do, do some people have more of a natural affinity toward scholarship? Well, sure they do. <clears throat> Absolutely. But can those who do not have such a natural affinity 
can they apply themselves and gain uh, scholarship that can be recognized as something that is great? Sure they can. Sure they can. Absolutely. Uh, there are probably more of us who do not have a natural affinity towards scholarship than those of us who do. And so, uh, you know, I think the lesson here is that we need to make application. And when they talk about the concentration as a trait, what they're saying really is dedication. Dedication and concentration toward achieving the goal set at hand. Okay? Uh, Think of Paul. When I think of Paul, or when I study Alexander Campbell, I think of the Apostle Paul. And I'm not placing Alexander Campbell on the on the same level as the Apostle Paul, but when I when I hear these descriptive terms and these accolades that are uh, cast upon Brother Campbell, I think of the Apostle Paul because that's who I think of when I hear things like that. His dedication. He was uh, he was dogmatic in his uh, uh, following after what he thought was right, wasn't he? Even when he was wrong. He was dogmatic. He uh, he attained more than those of his equal at the time, he said. He was a, a, a Jew of Jews, right? From the tribe of Benjamin. And he dedicated himself. But what did he do when he found out that he was wrong in what he was trying to accomplish? He went exactly 180 degrees, even more dogmatic, in trying to please God and do the things that God asked him to do. He wasn't a proud man. <clears throat> We're going to notice as we study Alexander Campbell, he was not a proud man. That doesn't mean that he was a perfect man. Okay? doesn't mean Paul was a perfect man. But to, in my estimation, when we talk about great men and women of God, what is a characteristic that really has to be there? You might not be the smartest person in the world. You might be a hard worker, but maybe not the hardest worker. But don't you have to have humility before you can ever be pleasing to God? have to have humility, right? And I think we're going to find that in Alexander Campbell when we think back over uh, uh, the lives of uh, people like Paul. I think we see that humility. We see it in Peter's life. Took him a little while to get there, didn't it? But we see it in Peter's life. Toward the end of his life, I think we see a man who was, who was being exactly what God needed him to be. But, uh, I think that when we read statements like this about someone, I think naturally, what do we want to do? We want to investigate that a little bit, right? We want to find out more about this man for, for a couple reasons. Number one, I want to know more about someone who is this kind of person or who people claim to be that kind of person. And at the same time, I want to know, is it true? Is it, are they accurate when they're talking about Alexander Campbell? Uh, should we honor him in the way that, that he's been honored over the years? Well, I think both of those are fair questions. Is that true? And I'd like to get to know someone like that, right? Well, if we're going to do that, we have to go back in time from this point about 233 years. We have to go back to a foreign nation far from this country. In fact, we have to go to Northern Ireland. And we're very familiar 
with uh, Northern Ireland, what they call that, the Emerald Isle, uh, what the, uh, Ireland is referred to that. And in 1786, it began in Northern Ireland. And I don't think there's anywhere that would have been a better place for someone like Alexander Campbell to be produced and to become the person that he needed to become. Let's think about the history of Ireland. There is a natural division this day in Ireland, isn't there? Southern Ireland is a part of England. Northern Ireland is a nation independent of themselves from from the rest of the world. Do you know why that division came about? The division between the Protestants and the Catholics. Do you recall maybe 30 or 40 years ago, uh, if you heard about terrorism, it really wasn't Islamic terrorism, was it? It was the northern uh, armies and the southern armies of Ireland. They were fighting with each other and they were doing terrible things. You couldn't really even go to Ireland. It wasn't safe to be there. And so... Prior to really that happening and it getting to that point, Northern Ireland was a place where they stood up in defiance of the Catholic Church. And it was with that attitude where uh, Alexander Campbell began, where his, uh, where his origin is. And I don't know, again, that it could have happened at a better place because of the traits he learned in that culture, and that might even have been providential. I don't know. But when we look at Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, they are as distinct and different, really, in most ways, as we might say Christians are from Muslims. Okay? Uh, in the northeastern corner of Northern Ireland, Alexander Campbell was born. That area was predominantly anglo Scottish in blood and Protestant in religion. So really, Alexander Campbell and his family were Scottish who had moved from Scotland to Ireland. So if you were able to sit and listen to Alexander Campbell, he he would sound like not that he was from Ireland, but that he was from Scotland because that's what the majority of the culture was in Northern Ireland. So he would have had a thick Scottish accent. When he preached, he didn't stand up. He sat on a stool and he just spoke in a conversational tone and he preached the Word of God. So he grew up in that uh, atmosphere of being independent, not being pushed to do something that you didn't want to do. Is that something that's very important for people if they are going to embrace Christianity? Well, particularly in the world, right? Because who doesn't have a history in their family, at least some branch somewhere, that's not denominational in, in, in some way? I think we've all got them. And so you've got pressure, right, from people who uh, try to prevent you from obeying the gospel. Once you obey the gospel, they want to stop you from doing it. They want to discourage you. And what do you have to have? You have to have an ability to stand up and say, look, I love you. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I think is right, and I'm going to do what I think uh, pleases God. Again, who do we think of when, when we hear that in our minds? Paul the Apostle. Because he gave it all up, didn't he? He gave it all up. All the apostles did. 
But Paul stood up against the leadership of the day. And he said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Now, uh, this area was settled in the early uh, 17th century by Presbyterian Scots, okay? Uh, and I think that's kind of a common theme as we've looked at uh, these uh, Protestant and Restoration uh, leaders, this Presbyterian theme. Uh, that section of Ireland has, and even unto this day, battled against the Catholic influence to the south, and uh, they are very independent thinking people, okay? Again, I think as we look at this area, geography might have something to do with it. Uh, with the mindset that they developed over the years, they have a, have a fierce passion for independence. They have a fierce passion for independence today. Uh, as you look at the geography of Northern Ireland, and, and I wasn't even aware of this really until I began to study this, they have, uh, uh, a lot of fertile land and valleys. They have the Stony Mountain moorlands. They have the, uh, the rocky shores that are part of, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, North Channel and the Irish Sea. And so they've got a mixture of things. And today, in our history today, that area of Ireland comprises uh, the heart of the commercial and the industrial regions of Ireland. And in Campbell's day, those rich valleys were an agriculturalist's dream. That's where they wanted to be because they were agricultural at that time, right? And uh, uh, the people at that time had kind of an air of financial independence because they were able to make their own living. They had the things at their fingertips. They didn't have to rely on anybody. So we have this independent nature. And I think that led to uh, the type of person that Alexander Campbell uh, became. Any comments, questions? All righty. Well, we're going to pick up here next time. And what we're going to begin with is... Uh, Something that you normally wouldn't think to be such a controversy, but it is the birth date of Alexander Campbell. That's been a topic of controversy from even in his time. We'll pick up with that point. Thank you so much.